it really is a, a beautiful time of year, and uh, and I'm I, I absolutely love it. I I know some people Christmas is not their thing, but for me, uh, I absolutely love this time of year. And so uh, all month long, we've been talking about the themes of Advent, of hope and peace and joy. And next week, we'll talk about love leading into Christmas Eve. And and by the way, if uh, I forgot to mention, if you have your kids here and they're over in kids. Uh, kids Church today, um, uh, Santa is here, and they're taking pictures, and all those will be available to you uh, this week as well. So, <clears throat> But I remember growing up, like most kids, uh, I loved Christmas when I was a kid. Uh, and when, you, when, you're, when you're a kid, like Christmas is amazing for all kinds of reasons, and uh, we've been kind of talking a little bit about that the last couple of weeks. But I grew up in a broken home, but at Christmas time, my two older brothers, who are five and six years older than I am, uh, and they lived uh, with my dad in California, and we were living in Colorado at the time. They would come home, and, and they would uh, stay with us at, our, at, our mom, at my mom's, and we'd all be together. And so it, it was this really incredible time for us to kind of reconnect as a family. And, and, and I loved making cookies with my mom and sort of decorating, you know, uh, decorating all the cookies and, and hanging out with my siblings. And, and, and I, I talked last week about you know, like many of you, we have a tradition in our family of kind of building and decorating the gingerbread house. And, and for the longest time, it, it was mostly uh, frustrating because uh, when we first started kind of building them with our kids, which was, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago, uh, getting a pre-built house wasn't really a thing. Like nobody thought to actually sell those. And so uh, you could not get a pre-built house. And so what I discovered was that um, I'm even more inept at working with my hands than I had previously thought because not only could I not build anything real out of like wood or whatever, I could not actually build a decent gingerbread house either. And the chimney would always fall off and the walls were crooked and it never passed inspection, you guys. It, we always got shut down. It was not good. It would barely stand up and the roof always had a big gap in it. And it was just a mess and there was candy everywhere. And, 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 uh, and somehow I'd always miss the fact that the kids didn't care. They just wanted to eat the icing and the candy. And I really wanted like a gingerbread house that I could be proud of and display and you know, take pictures of, and, but it just never happened. So uh, you know, I thought about kind of hiring a gingerbread contractor and have, you know, come bring them in and, and, and help, me build, help me build so my kids would know what it would look, what it actually felt like to actually have one of their gingerbread houses actually stand up. But I, I remember the first year that I, I saw the pre-built houses, I knew it was a sign from heaven like, that God was happy with me because it was just like, oh, you know, just like, there you go, kids. It's done, my part is done, now just decorate it. Uh, but as a kid, I, I love this season, not just because of family and food and snow, and I grew up, like I said, in Colorado, so there was always a bunch of snow where we lived, but it was awesome being out of school for a couple weeks, that's like maybe the best thing, you know, as a kid. But, but I also loved it for, for the reason that really, you know, all kids love Christmas, and that's, that's the presents, right? It's the stuff in the boxes. And when you're a kid, the joy of your holiday experience really hinges on what's in those boxes, right? And sometimes you open up the box and it's just pure joy. And then sometimes you open it up and it's clothes. Like, and remember when you were like, I, I don't, there's that like line of demarcation when you're a kid and getting clothes is like super disappointing. And then there's that moment where you open it and it's clothes and you're like, yes, uh, and, you're, and you're pretty stoked. And, and if you got underwear, you got to kind of fake joy, um, like you're excited. I actually found these, I don't even know what this is, but um, I found this, that you can get hander pants. You can get underpants for your hands. And I, I don't, I just, yeah, that's a real product. So I know you got somebody that's really hard to buy for in your family. You could get them hander pants. Um, I remember the one, like one year, the thing that I wanted more than anything 
was a big wheel. Remember, anybody remember the big wheels like when I was growing up? And like, I don't know, did anybody have one of those things? Yeah, I, I loved it. And I got it, and I ain't gonna lie, it changed my life. Like, it, it was awesome. It was everything. It did not disappoint. It was everything that, that I, I absolutely wanted. Unfortunately, they didn't last long because uh, when you skid around on them, they would get that flat mark on the front tire, and then it would be like, flunk, flunk, flunk. Did it happen to anybody else? You have a flat tire on your big wheel? Yep, 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 yep. But, but have you ever gotten the thing that you wanted, but when you got it, it was kind of a total letdown? It didn't end up being the, what, what you thought it was gonna like, be like? Like that, for me, when I was a kid, that was pretty much every action figure I ever got because they always looked really cool on the commercials and they could do really cool things. And then you get them in reality and they can't do anything. You just have to pretend. And that was the worst. And I don't know if you've ever actually wanted something and you finally got it and it just didn't work or it didn't work like you thought it was gonna. It just, the whole experience was a complete and total letdown. Now, thankfully, we eventually all grow up and we outgrow the myth, you guys, that joy is found in getting what we want, don't we? No, no, we don't actually outgrow that myth at all, right? Because that's a, it's such a universal experience and we all have these moments. And while, you know, it shifts from the things that we're chasing as kids, we all still wrestle with that tension of, if I could just get that one thing, if I could, if I could have this situation, if I could have this thing that I really, really want, then everybody, everybody thinks like, oh, it's just gonna be amazing, right? Because everybody wants something that they think will change everything. And, and that something could be anything, right? It's, sometimes it's simple pleasures. It's like, if I just, you know, if I, if I got that new pair of shoes, man, I'd just be, remember when you got new shoes as a kid and for some reason you had to like stretch, you know, you're just like, yeah. And then you had to run in them. Like, they're just like, yes. It's like, I'm so fast. It's awesome. Or maybe for you, it's your favorite drink or relaxing on a beach or playing a round of golf at your favorite course. Or other times it's, it's something maybe that's a little bit more about status, you know, like a, a, a specific vacation or that specific car or that neighborhood or that house or buying name brands or having disposable income. I, you know, I grew up in a broken home, like I said, and my mom was a single mom and she was awesome and, and, and I did the very best that she could, but we were pretty poor. And so I just remember my goal in my whole life growing up was when I got old enough to have my own money, I'm buying name brand stuff. I'm not buying the bag of cereal that's like Fruityos. I'm getting Fruit Loops in the box. I'm not buying no like knockoff soaps. I'm getting Tide and putting that in my wallet. Like I, that was my whole goal in my, in my head. And it turns out it wasn't that big a deal when I started doing it. Or, or maybe for you, it's something relationally. Like if you could just get them to love you or, or, or you could or finally have your dad you know, earn the respect of your father. You can finally have your dad look at you and tell you that he's proud of you. And, and we all get sucked into chasing after different things. And in our culture, we, we simultaneously are obsessed with getting these things, yet also feel this weird need to pretend like we don't care whether or not we actually get them, right? Which we desperately want them. It's just not cool to admit that we really want that thing. <clears throat> now, truthfully, there, there isn't anything wrong with any of those things or even in wanting some of those things. The problem is he, often when we get the thing we're after, it doesn't feel as good as we thought and it doesn't last as long as we'd hoped. Right? It, it just doesn't take us where we thought it would take us. And so we think, man, I should have known better. better. Maybe the problem isn't that, that I was chasing after this thing. Maybe, maybe the problem is that I went after 
the wrong thing. But the reality is, and, and, and you know this, if your joy is in a thing, it will always be in a thing you don't have. And, and what about those moments where we don't get or can't have the thing that we so desperately want? What then? We, we hear so much talk and conversation about joy during Christmas time, but do we actually really experience that much of it when it comes down to it? Is Christmas really any different for us in terms of the joy that we have in our life from any other time of year? And, and when we do actually experience, how, how do we wrap our arms around it in a way that it, that it actually sticks with us? So I, I want to take you to a moment in, in the life of one of the people in the story of the very first Christmas. And we actually touched on this story a couple of weeks ago, but I, I want to revisit it a little bit and talk about it through the lens of this idea of joy. And it's a moment you're probably familiar with, uh, one that is all at once unapologetically human and also profoundly divine as heaven comes crashing into earth and God's love takes on flesh and blood. So let's look together at this moment in the story where this one person in particular is wanting something that he thinks will change everything. Matthew chapter one, beginning with verse 18, it says this. says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel, uh, the angel said to him, do not be afraid, take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, admittedly, Joseph's in a pretty tough spot. I mean, there's believing the person you love and then there's just being plain stupid, right? Like Mary's trying to convince him that she didn't cheat on him and he's completely brokenhearted. And he just can't bring himself to believe what she's telling him because the angels already appeared to her and told her that she was gonna conceive and that the child was gonna be conceived of the Holy Spirit. So she already knows the scoop and she's she's trying to convince him and, and he's wanting to believe her, but he just can't bring himself to believe her. So he's thinking, if I could just get out of this relationship, if I could just turn the page, if I could get away from Mary and I could start to get my life back on track and I can find love and happiness again, and he's just wanting to get out of this situation where joy and happiness for him are somewhere other than where he is. Have you ever been there? Like, I don't know where joy is, but it's not here. And then Joseph has this encounter with God and God tells him, look, you're gonna go through this and it's gonna be tough, but I'm gonna be with you. Now, here's the rub of that. If we're being honest, it just doesn't feel like, when that happens with us, it just doesn't feel like that's enough, right? Like it never seems like it's going to be enough just for God to be with us. We think, I I need things to change. If I could just get out of this relationship, if I could just get that little bit better job, if things were a little bit easier, if my kids, if, if COVID would just end, if this thing would, if we could get back to normal, if my kids got into that school, right? If I could just climb the ladder on the org chart a little bit higher, if I could just avoid this struggle that I'm in, if we could just get married, or if I could just get divorced, or if we could just have a baby, 
we could just make a little bit more money, if we lived in a little bit better neighborhood, if I could just get away from my boss and get a new job, if I could just get my old job back, if my dad would just tell me that he's proud of me just one time. See, it's not that God doesn't want you to have good things. It's that he wants you to know that getting those things, no matter how good they are, they will never ever be enough to fix or fulfill you. See, the thing that Joseph thinks he wants isn't really what he wants, right? What he thinks he wants is to simply get out of his relationship with Mary. But what he really wants is the faithfulness of the woman that he loves. When you read the Christmas story, you quickly notice that God wasn't interested in making anything, any of the things perfect or easy or comfortable. See, God, God doesn't change any of the circumstances. He doesn't get Joseph out of the jam he was in. He, he doesn't make the journey easier. But like so many of the others in that first Christmas, Joseph actually experienced hope and love and joy and peace in the middle of all of it. Have you ever known someone who was full of joy when you looked at them, though, they, they just felt like they shouldn't have been, right? You looked at their life, and, and you looked at them, and they were just so, like, joy just, and you're like, how is that even possible? See, the problem is we think joy comes with getting what, what we want, but joy isn't born from a, a certain set of circumstances where everything's comfortable and warm and easy and perfect, and we got everything just the way we like it, but it's born from the presence of God who is with us in the circumstances that we're in right now. Now, maybe you're thinking like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, that sounds good. It might be true. But I think I'd genuinely be happier if I could go on that trip or buy that car or make a little bit more money or get that girl to like me or get her to marry me or if I could get that job, right? And you're right. Like, you probably would be a little bit happier to some extent, at least for a while. But let me tell you what we already know. It, it won't feel as good as you thought, and it won't last as long as you hoped. And besides, today's not about happiness. Today's about joy, and, and they're very different things. See, because happiness is the passing pleasure you get from getting the thing you want, but joy is the lasting satisfaction and the strength that you get from realizing that Jesus is all that you need. See, one of the results uh, of what you're, you know, uh, the result of what you're getting and the other, you know, of who you're becoming. Like one of the results of that is like, we actually step into a relationship with God. That's why Jesus coming was really good news of great joy for all people. That's why there were angels singing. That's why whether it was Mary or Joseph or the shepherds or the wise men, everyone who encountered Jesus was overwhelmed with joy. And it wasn't because they suddenly got everything that they wanted but because Jesus changed everything. You know how when you fight with someone, how it feels really good to have the last word? Anyone, anyone like that where you just, you gotta get the last, anybody know anybody like that? You, you really need to get the, the last word in. Uh, my wife, Hansi, and I, we, uh, we don't fight that much, and um, we never have, and I don't know if you know this, but pastors aren't normal people, um, and so we, we don't have heated arguments we have warm discussions and so um but we really don't fight that much we you know we have conflict and differences of opinion but things hardly ever rise to the level of a fight that often but when we do like I have to fight really hard to not be the guy that's got to have the last word and sometimes I do you know okay sometimes I don't do okay one time we were arguing and 
she said something that really should have been the end of the argument, but I, I, I had one more thing to say. And so I didn't want her to get, to the la- get the last word. And so I followed her into another room, said it real quick, and then closed the door and left and shut the door so I go to the other side of the house just so it could be like, and that's the end. No, you can't follow me and then get the last word. It didn't work. It didn't work. So, but Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Here's where this is going, right? It, it's, it's perfectly placed because it's the final chapter of the Old Testament story. So the last thing God spoke in prior to the announcement of Jesus coming was in Malachi. And it starts off really amazing. Malachi chapter one, verse two, uh, it says this. It says, I have always loved you, says the Lord. But from that point forward, it's all downhill. The people reject God's love. They turn their back on him. And despite God's repeated invitations for them to come back to him and to trust him and to let him love them, they continue to disobey and dishonor him by the way that they treat each other and by the way that they live their lives. And so God warns them what's gonna happen if they continue on the path that they're on. And it all comes to a head in the closing verses of chapter four, which is the final chapter of the Old Testament. It's the final thing that's said before the announcement of Jesus starts coming in the New Testament. And this is what it says in Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. And this is God talking. He says, look, I'm sending, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives and his preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise I will come and I'll strike the land with a curse. And then boom, silence. And the heavens go dark and God goes silent and not just a little bit of silence, 400 years of silence. Can you imagine, have you ever had someone that that you love kind of withdraw from you? It it can be really scary and difficult and painful and destabilizing and disorienting. And that was the state of the world. People were going to the temple. People were worshiping. People were reading the scriptures. People were praying, but there's no word from the other side. Nothing from God. And the last thing that he said, the last word that he had spoken to humanity was curse. So when the angels start appearing to everybody, right, they're all getting a little bit nervous because the last thing God said is I'm gonna come and strike the land with a curse. See, when, when my wife and I have fought in the past, the best part is when it's over and we actually reconnect, right? When, when, there's that, when you get past the thing that's separating you and, and, and that, that sense of connectedness and intimacy is restored, right? When the relationship is, is put back together, there's joy. And so God just keeps saying over and over and over again when the angels start appearing to them in, in, you know, in, in the story in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and, he, and he's just saying over and over and over again, don't be afraid, I've come to be with you, to love you, to save you. In fact, that's my name, Emmanuel, that, that God is with us, that I've come to be with you. You don't have to search for happiness somewhere else. I'm with you. Joy is when you reconnect with the one who knows you best and loves you most. And so all month long, we've been looking at this description of Christmas in the book of Isaiah from chapter nine. And I wanna, I wanna take you there for just a second. And so Isaiah chapter nine, verse one, in the very first part of verse one, it says this. It says, nevertheless, There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. So everybody, look look at somebody around you and just say, no more gloom. Tell them right now, no more gloom, no more gloom, no more gloom. See, Christmas is a no more gloom time. 
I know like it's a couple weeks away still, but I think there's some sort of extension that kind of we can make sure it kind of lasts till New Year's. And so if someone comes at you between now and New Year's and they're starting to win this, if it's your kids or your spouse or your boss or a coworker and they're whining or complaining, just look at them and don't say anything else. Just say no more gloom, no more gloom. Projects that need to get done, boom, no more gloom. Worried about exercise and weight loss? I'll get to it in January. No more gloom. Right now, make this your mantra at Christmas. No more gloom. But then Isaiah goes on in verse one. He says, in the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations. And we're like, oh, wow, that's great. What are you talking about? See, uh, without going into too much detail, this is what he's saying. He's look, the people he's writing, he's going, look, I know you've been through some things in the past. I know some stuff has been done to you. I know you've made some decisions that you're, sort of, that you're still living with the fallout and the consequences of. That's Zebulun and Naphtali. That's who he's speaking about. He's going, I know that there's been pain and brokenness and despair, and some of it you've brought on yourself, and some of it was just completely stuff that was out of your control. I know that that's still even your reality right now, but you don't understand the future that God has for you, the place that's void of life, that's void of light and hope and joy will be the place that those things actually spring from. That's why he's saying no more gloom. Then he tells us why. A couple of verses later in verse six, he says, for to us a child is born. And to us, a son is given. See, even though it almost never feels like it, God with us is a game changer for every single person. The problem for us is it doesn't feel like it because we're just limited in what we can see. Like most of the time, we can't see the story that God is unfolding, right? That, that was true of what we read in Matthew chapter one about Joseph. Joseph couldn't, all he could see was that the person he was engaged to was pregnant and it wasn't his baby. He couldn't see the bigger story that was unfolding. Even Matthew, who was writing about the story, he was writing down the events, when he wrote about Joseph's situation, even Matthew had a perspective that Joseph didn't have, right? Joseph was living it. Matthew just got to kind of watch from the sidelines and write about it. Listen again to what Matthew says about the gut-wrenching, life-changing moment, that gut-wrenching, life-changing decision that Joseph was wrestling with God about. In Matthew chapter one, verse 22, it says, all of this took place to fulfill what God said through the prophet. That's Matthew's observation about Mary and Joseph's situation. He's going, it was messed up and all of it, you know, he's very just outside of it. There's no emotion in it for him. He's going, all of this took place to fulfill what God said through the prophet. See, that was Matthew going, looking at it and going, this is what was supposed to happen. See, it's possible that you and I are trying to get ourselves out of what God actually intends us to go through. And if, like Joseph, you were to somehow find a way to wiggle out of that situation, if somehow you were to find a way to get that thing that you're chasing, it's possible that if you got your way and you got what you'd wanted, you'd be missing out on the most beautiful, life-giving, joy-producing moments of your life. Because joy isn't found in a possession or in an experience, but in being fully present and making peace with the process 
that God has you in right now. Speaking of Joseph's dilemma, Matthew said all of this. Speaking of his situation, and the truth is we all have our this, right? Maybe, maybe you're right smack dab in the middle of this right now. And you think that joy is on the other side of where you are. Joy is getting out of this. That, that the thing that you don't have, but getting that thing will bring you joy. But I want you to know that joy is waiting for you right where you are because you're not alone, that God is with you. There, there's, there's nothing wrong with wanting those things and getting those things but the joy of presence is so much bigger and better and deeper and more enduring than the happiness of presence. On that first Christmas, God began the process of fulfilling a promise to set the world right and bring joy to the world. And so Jesus was born in a manger to a virgin, and you know what happened the next day? Nothing. Mary and Joseph still had to deal with the fallout of how their son came into the world. They still had to deal with how their marriage was getting started. The people were still overtaxed. The oppressive Roman Empire was still occupying all of their towns. Women and children still held little value in their society. Herod was still murdering babies. Although Jesus had arrived and would end up changing everything on the outside, nothing had really changed at all yet. But somehow, if you look at the lives of Mary and Joseph, they're both described as experiencing overwhelming joy. Why? Because they believed that their story was going somewhere and they understood that God was with them. And you and I aren't any different. It it starts with us waking up to the reality that he is here, that God is with us, that he's all we need. And when you're overly focused on getting that thing that you want so badly, all month long, uh, we've been pausing at the end and, and, and talking about this prayer that we can embrace together and kind of pray throughout the week, whether it was a prayer for hope or a prayer for peace. And this week, this prayer for joy. And so uh, all, all week long, I want to encourage you, like whenever you just feel like, I just got to get out. Why can I, I, this is so frustrating. Why does this situation, why do I have to deal with this? When is this going to get fixed? Or when can we, and how can I get that thing? When you just get so focused on the thing that you don't have right now, the thing that you want the most, that you would just pause and pray, God, help me find joy where I'm at and what I already have because you're with me, I don't need anything more to get the most out of today. Often all of the trappings of the holidays can leave us with very little room in our souls for the one who has come for us. But the good news is is that he's made the first move. He's come for you. If you're looking for joy, Jesus has come. And the song we sing all the time this year, this time of year is, let every heart prepare him room. I I wonder if part of why 
we struggle to find joy is because there's so little room in our lives for the one who came to bring us joy. Because we're so busy making sure that the decorations and the stuff gets baked and the presents get bought and the travel arrangements and not getting COVID and who's got COVID and stay away from me and like, and all that stuff is real. You gotta deal with all of it. But it's so easy to just get sucked into all of that and it just to suck out all of the joy of the reality that Jesus has come, that Christmas is here. Let's pray together.